Hi, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randa Matiri. And, and we, we are, are Hemp Therapy yeah. Academy. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk today about some provocative testing, specifically for tenovaginitis or tenosynovitis, of first dorsal compartment, also known as dequervines. Um, there's a whole bunch of tests that are available, like all these diagnoses that have way more provocative tests than maybe we even need. But there's some wisdom in knowing which tests to use and then how many total do I need to use when I'm testing somebody. Yeah. And I feel like this is one that everybody knows about Finkelsteins or Finkelsteins, right? You get students that come out and you say, what's the special test for dequer veins? And they all say Finkelsteins. But we know that there's more to this. And then how we define Finkelsteins is different as well, right? So sometimes students will show us and you're like, oh, that's not really how we do Finkelsteins or the correct way that it's stated in research. So I think for the purpose of this, we want to give clarity to our audience, the difference between these special tests and um, which ones have better sensitivity and specificity um, if it's reported. So let's talk first about Finkelsteins. That's the one that everybody spouts off first. That's when students know right off the bat. When I have a patient who has pain there, I want to test the tension and I want to gently load that um, APL and EPB in the first dorsal compartment. So when we tell patients to hold their thumb within the um, second through fifth digits and then only deviate, I'm doing it here in a different position, but basically you're doing it with forearm in neutral and I tell them to only deviate. That is not Finkelstein's. That is an ICOF test. E-I-C-H-O-F-F is the name of the doctor that, that discovered that as a provocative maneuver. That's the ICOF maneuver. Having them do it actively is ICOF. When I do it to them passively, where I put their thumb into flexion and adduction, and I only deviate their wrist passively, that's Finkelstein's. Yeah, so the big difference and the big takeaway is the therapist doing the maneuver for them or the patient actively doing it. So I think um, most of the students think when the patient actively does that, that's Finkelstein's, and that is not the case. That's Eikhoff's. And it matters because of the balance of muscles happening. And think about the provocative testing of the shoulder. If I do an empty can test and they, you know, they're holding a can and they dump it upside down and then pull themselves up. If I do that passively, certain muscles aren't firing and I'm not stabilizing and co-contracting. So if I have that patient do it actively versus me doing it passively to them, there's different muscle forces at play. Honestly, the outcomes are relatively similar, but it's good to call things by the right name. Right. And then we're going to talk more about another test um, that people aren't as familiar with, but um, one that we use in our clinic probably a lot more frequently than we use Eikhoff's and Finkelstein's, and that's the what or what test. And then Josh and I were saying, well, it's W-H-A-T, right? So that's the uh, what we say. And so Josh calls it the what, and I call it the what. So. And I think I just pronounce it differently than the word what, because I feel like it it makes it sound like a different word or something. Like, I don't know. Like I, I probably shouldn't call it something different, but it's the what test. So W-H-A-T, wrist hyperflexion and abducted thumb. And when we do an abducted thumb, specifically in the literature, they don't want the patient just pulling it out. They don't want you pushing it into abduction. They want you pushing into a deduction and the patient holding isometrically abduction. Yeah, so... so a holding a just to clarify abduction. You're holding the patient. The patient's holding their thumb in abduction. Yes. So I'll have the patient's owner side of the forearm resting on the table. I'll put them into a flexed wrist. 
I'll position them with an abducted thumb, with a thumb that is now an abduction. I'll position them passively into that abducted, and that's not painful. I'll say, hold it there. Just by me letting go, they are now doing an isometric hold, and that's loading APL and EPB in that first ulcer compartment. Sometimes that's a positive enough sign that I don't need to do a resistance against that load. That's painful enough. If it's not, and they can hold that, that's not technically a positive enough sign yet. That's not a positive provocative maneuver. I need to try to push them into a deduction while they hold a abduction, an abducted thumb. That's what elicits pain. That's a provocative, a positive test. But if they have pain before you get there because they can't isometrically hold it there, then that's also positive. I don't need to go the next step. I know it's going to be painful. Yeah. And I think my next question is for you. So you're doing, you have a patient that comes in, they're complaining of radial sided wrist pain. What test are you doing first and why? So when I, when we're talking like that physical exam, the first thing I do is just lightly palpate around that area and just get an idea of, is it painful to touch? Because if I'm not going to do provocative maneuvers that send them through the roof, if absolutely everything about that region is painful, and I know like, hey, if I just put them in wrist flexion extension, and I just do some gentle mob- mobilization of that joint and they're screaming through the roof, then anything I do and call it a provocative test is going to be painful. If it's not, and they're like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Then I'll start with the, with the what test and I'll put them in that wrist flexion, put them in an abducted thumb and then let go and see if they can hold it loading those and then step it up. I'll start with those. If that's unclear, I will then go to Finkelstein or Eikhoff for confirmation. But those have way less sensitivity and specificity than the wet test does. Yeah. So first um, line for diagnostics or um, evaluating the patient is looking for pain and the symptoms that are kind of giving you that indication that they may have it. Then doing the what test and then possibly further confirmation with the Finkelsteins. And I think when we're reporting in the in our findings, in our notes too, we're also reporting, you know, I think it's easier to report Finkelsteins because more providers know what that is, right? So if a patient's sent from their primary care doctor, they're probably like, why aren't they doing the Finkelsteins test, right? So sometimes I just put it in there for communication. Like I, I know this is probably going to be a little sore, but I know that if it's positive, I'm going to put that in my note as well, even though maybe it's not as you know, likely to be indicated. So I'll put the what test first positive, and then I'll put the Finkelstein's test as being positive if they are positive. Yeah. And if I have a patient positive on one test, maybe I do a confirmation or a differential diagnosis provocative test, but I don't need to go through every provocative test that exists for that body part. If nothing else, I'm flaring it up. If they're all positive, I'm making it worse and worse and worse. So I think we, because we have so many provocative tests, it doesn't mean we have to use all of them. You'll find a favorite, look for ones that are good with sensitivity, specificity, inter-rater reliability, all of that, but you don't have to keep poking the bear over and over. Right. And I agree with you. And sometimes if you do that test and it's positive, all the other tests are going to be positive, even if they're like differential tests, right? So if you really flare up a patient and you're doing other tests, maybe for intersection, they may be positive just because you irritated the structures around that area so much. So I think you have to be careful of that too when you're doing your special tests. Do the one that you think is going to really flare it up for the last part of it. So before you get all those other ones to be positive when they're not, they wouldn't necessarily be positive if you would have done them first. Right, right. And I think it's a good discussion to have too with, specifically with this diagnosis. If I do, 
I cough or Finkelstein's on myself. I'm not a particularly mobile person. It doesn't feel fantastic when I do that ulnar deviation with thumb fisted. It doesn't feel great, but that doesn't mean I have decoir veins. And so I think there's it's good to clarify and help for new grads and students to understand what counts as a positive test. You know, it may not feel comfortable to go into that position or anything like, well, that doesn't feel great, but that doesn't mean it's positive. I'm looking for a very clear and distinct response. Usually pain depends on what the test is. I'm looking for something clear and distinct. Like if I'm going to do that, it's a sharp pain. It's a, it's an event that happens, not just like, well, that doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good reminder for students as well. Cause sometimes you'll have mild discomfort with some of these provocative tests as well. And it doesn't mean that it's positive. It's not a clear positive indication. A lot and of that, are, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. That, that muddies the water too with uh, differential diagnosis. This patient with CMC arthritis, that's not going to feel good on that for CMC joint, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's positive for, so you've got to make sure it's like, yeah, that's a definite positive indicator. Yeah. And does it really matter? If you know they have, if you're doing a good client or patient interview, a lot of times you'll know what it is before having to do any special tests. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you're doing a good interview, a lot of times the special tests don't really matter as much. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they come in with a diagnosis and we all know what it is, if they come in with a diagnosis of CMC arthritis based on x-rays, I don't need to do a grind test. I don't need to do the lever test. We know they have it. Let's move on and start doing something productive without just eliciting pain for the sake of of testing purposes. Right. Definitely. All right. Lots of good information there. Hopefully that helps inform your practice and and, uh, how you interface with patients during evals and and, uh, provocative testing. Uh, But if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at um, our email, info at handtherapyacademy.com or on uh, Instagram or social media uh, at handtherapyacademy.